Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you in part by Growmark FS. For over 95 years, we've led the game. Power, we restored it. Protection, we reinvented it. Record yields, we redefined it. If there's one thing we know at FS, it's that just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. We're never satisfied unless we take your farming operation to the next level. Run your equipment at peak efficiency and bust the bins this season. Visit fssystem.com. The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, the December WASDE report came and went from USDA with little fanfare as we wrapped up the week on Friday. We're going to talk about that and more here on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us today on the program. Great to have you along for the conversation about the commodity markets and issues impacting rural America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and coming up on today's show, we are going to talk markets with Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing. We'll get Dwayne's perspective on a uh, fairly quiet, as expected, December WASDE report. There were a few changes of note, though, on the U.S. and global balance sheets. Not much, but a few things did stand out. Uh, everything was pretty much as expected, though. But nonetheless, we're going to talk about it. Felt like the trade uh, was kind of upset and sad that uh, we didn't feed the bull really in any way with the uh, WASDE report on Friday. So we're going to dive in and talk uh, about that market sentiment here and how things are shaping up as we work towards the end of the year. We'll do that coming up at segment two and three today. I'm sure Dwayne will have some thoughts on this cattle market as well. Was it a dead cat bounce into the weekend or are we trying to uh, find a bottom here after we fell apart in live and feeder cattle here in recent weeks? We're going to talk about that coming up as well. Also, we'll get a look at a few news headlines before we wrap up the show, as, of course, uh, we continue to keep our eye on farm bill details and negotiations and other uh, topics that are impacting agriculture. We'll dive into some of those coming up here in segment four today. First up, though, let's get a little bit of analysis and recap of the December WASDE report. I talked with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist at StoneX, just after the release of the report around midday on Friday and got Arlen's thoughts on some of the changes on the balance sheet in a fairly quiet report, including the corn and wheat ending stocks falling on the U.S. side. Here's Arlen Suderman. Yeah, we've seen a recent increase in business, and USDA is reflecting that with 25 million bushel increase in both corn and wheat export sales. Um, not really a surprise there. Uh, the question is whether we can sustain that longer term. For the wheat, I think there's some positive signs that maybe we can. For the corn, I think there's still some real question marks about it. Uh, but for now, we'll take it because it uh, does shrink the bottom line by 25 million bushels each for both of those uh, balance sheets. I know the soybean side, there were uh, no domestic changes, it looked like, on the report. Uh, globally, there were minor changes as well for corn, soybeans, and wheat. Uh, when you look at the ending stocks, USDA uh, did lower Brazil's soybean crop, but not by a lot. And that was really all they did in South America, Arlen, it looked like. Yeah, and USDA typically does not make much of a change to South American production estimates in December. But with the adverse weather this year, the market was 
kind of anticipating maybe they would. Um, they did lower Brazil's soybean production estimate by 2 million metric tons to 161 million metric tons, but that still leaves it several million metric tons above the previous record. And I think it was a, a certainly a smaller decrease than what the trade had anticipated, so there was some disappointment there. It did not change Brazilian corn or corn or soybeans for Argentina in this report, and that's not really a surprise. It feels like overall with this report, uh, some folks may be a little uh, sad, I guess is the best way I could put it, that uh, we didn't necessarily feed the bull in really any way here, Arlen, across the grain trade. Yeah, the market seems to have been anticipating that, hoping for that or whatever, and it just did not happen. That kind of leaves us drifting, focused on South American weather forecasts, particularly for Brazil. The weather forecasts are good for Argentina. Uh, Brazil, they're a little bit drier today, and that's why we got a little bit of support. Uh, they still continue to show good rains, you know, about five days out, and that's been the pattern kind of. We just have trouble moving those rains forward in the forecast, and that appears to continue to be the case. On the uh, livestock side, too, cattle uh, doing their best to try and rebound on Friday into uh, the end of the week. I know with the WASD, uh, beef production was left unchanged, lower expected cattle slaughter, offset by higher dressed weights, so one nugget there. But hopefully, uh, look at this cattle market trying to find some support to end up the week. Yeah, and, and it's probably more of a bounce than it is anything else after we've taken off almost $30 from live cattle futures here over uh, since September, and it's just been a, a big bloodbath there. Uh, some of the numbers out yesterday or recent this week uh, on export-import numbers are very interesting. We, we do still have tight numbers of cattle. We've bunched them forward now a little bit, but overall, we're still shrinking the cow herd. We're still selling cows. Uh, and we haven't started rebuilding, which will make it even tighter. But we're seeing a break in product prices, particularly for the lower end of the value chain. The upper end is holding up relatively well. And it may very well be because we're seeing a surge of imports. Exports are, are really sluggish, but imports are really strong. If we look at the October data that just came out, up 17% versus the previous year, the same month, uh, led by Australia, where it's up 78% from the previous year. Um, so we're importing apparently a lot of, uh, of the cuts that go in end up going into hamburger. And once again, that is commentary from Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joined us around midday on Friday after the release of the USDA WASDE report for the month of December. And again, uh, very minor changes in that uh, December WASDE report. Uh, we hit on uh, many of those minor changes. Uh, interesting to uh, see that USDA didn't really make any changes to Brazil's production with uh, quarter soybeans as we've been watching the weather down there. And as Arlen alluded to, we're going to continue to uh, watch the weather forecast down there. That's going to be the big driver, it feels like, in this market heading into uh, the end of the year and into January and beyond. Uh, we did see Again, corn and wheat uh, ending stocks lowered as exports were raised uh, 25 million bushels on wheat and corn. Some of that China business uh, definitely helping out. We did get more sales to China announced on Friday morning's wire as well. Weekly export sales numbers were all right. We'll get a lot of the SRW sales for the weekly numbers coming up here in the uh, week ahead. Uh, so that'll be interesting to take a look at that. And in fact, uh, just looking at those uh, flash sales from Friday morning, uh, we saw 
soybeans. We saw SRW wheat to China, and we saw corn in there too. Uh, we saw 136,000 metric tons of soybeans, 110,000 metric tons of soft red winter wheat to China for the 23-24 marketing year on Friday morning, and then export sales of 165,000 metric tons of corn to unknown destinations. So watching some of those uh, items on the export front closely, but we are also you know, we're continuing to face competition from South America, and especially on the soybean side, our export window is uh, nearing its typical end. So we're going to keep our eye on exports uh, pretty closely as well, be one of the other market drivers here as we near the end of the year. All right, coming up next, we're going to continue the conversation about the commodity markets. We'll dive into livestock as well, and we'll get thoughts from Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing uh, in Britain, South Dakota. He's going to join us as we continue here on Market Talk, recapping the December WASDE report and the week of the market trade. We'll get to Dwayne Bussey coming up on the way right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, of course, on Friday, we got the release of the December World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report from USDA. Not many changes, which was pretty much as expected. There were a few things of note to talk about, though, but the grain trade mostly sold off into the weekend, while cattle saw a bit of a rally trying to end the week on somewhat of a positive note after more volatility. Joining us to talk about things, we welcome in Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing here to Market Talk today. And Dwayne, Good to catch up with you, my friend. As uh, I, I was joking a little bit before we went on the air, was there a WASDE report on Friday? Because it sure <laughs> didn't seem like it, uh, just with the way the trade kind of acted. But then again, December's typically a quiet report, isn't it, Dwayne? It It is typically a quiet report. And yeah, I know earlier I got asked the question of when do we start talking about the January report? And I was like, looking at my watch, like probably in about 30 minutes and you probably will with this too. It's going to be pretty quick. We'll start talking that January report, but I mean, a couple of changes and a couple of disappointing, no changes, I guess, in some South America corn production. I'm sure you and I will talk about that, but yeah, fairly typical of your December report. Pretty quiet. Yeah, pretty quiet. I, I'd say the, the big changes I saw or at least the minimal changes I saw was uh, on the, on the U S side, the domestic balance sheets. Uh, we, Got ending stocks for corn and wheat came down 25 million, uh, some changes to exports. But even that wasn't necessarily, you know, it was it was already kind of figured that we would see that in this report just with some of the export activity that's been happening here in the last few weeks. It, it is. But, you know, when it comes to corn, I was kind of the bearer of that market for quite a while thinking exports. We were way behind the normal pace. You know, we weren't seeing the daily sales and I, I kind of felt like it was going to be lower and lower. So for me, this seeing it actually finally gain a little bit. The last couple of reports is from USDA is kind of confirming that demand is actually growing. Um, I'm a little surprised. I, I guess the corn price got low enough where 
we got to a point where demand picked up. I think the lower trending US dollar helped with that too. But you're right, 25 million bushel increase for corn export demand, lowered the ending stock the exact same. Now, we're still over 2.1 billion though, aren't we, Jesse? So it's mm -hmm. not like we have to go racing to six. I still get too many people asking me about $6 corn. And I think we can put that to bed unless China goes berserk and buys every kernel they can in the world. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Um, it, it seems like the Chinese have had more of an appetite for soft red winter wheat here this past week versus corn, although we, we've seen some corn sales scattered here and there, but more daily mm -hmm. flash sales of SRW on Friday morning, what, four out of five days? China's been uh, in the trade here buying Chicago wheat, Dwayne. Uh, how awesome is that? I mean, it's always bearish, 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 but no... Yeah, I think you get that combination, like I said, the lower U.S. dollar, and then our wheat prices are obviously got to <laughs> too low, it felt like. I was calling for a bottom for that for months, so I guess eventually you're right. If you stick to your guns, USDA increased export demand, 25 million bushels for wheat as well. No other changes to the S&D table, so the ending stock dropped 25 million. Great to see, and yeah, just this morning, China's back in still buying more wheat. I was a little surprised here, Jesse. I don't know if you were, but and remember, these reports aren't put together last night. Right. They're put together seven to 10 days ago. So I, I didn't think they would actually raise the wheat export demand. I thought it would have to be a more drastic adjust, adjustment of like maybe 50 or 75 million bushels next month. But they did show it here. So that's good. Maybe USA knows that there's some demand out there. And man, it, you got to really feel like that low is in on wheat, don't you, Jesse? I mean, you, you got demand starting to increase. The supply is known. Um, now, don't get crazy here and do the wheat thin and rally a dollar so we don't export a single kernel again. If we can have a slow, steady increase here, I really like the way the wheat market is looking here. That's a great point. And maybe the uh, low is in the wheat market. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, soybeans, no changes on the domestic side. Uh, everything was pretty quiet there. And overall, in the grain and oilseed trade on Friday, before we get to the global numbers, we kind of sold off into the weekend, and you and I were talking about this as well. I, I have to think, I agree with you on this, I have to think this was just some profit-taking maybe ahead of the weekend, Dwayne. I think it was. You know, the soybeans right now are really all about a weather forecast, aren't they? Because obviously USDA didn't make any changes, but it still shows that our supply domestically is tight. So we're all eyes are on South America crop. But I think what happened here recently in this pullback back down to $13 is the trade started to figure out that even if you trim off a little bit of the Brazil crop, they're increasing acres enough. And Argentina, remember, only had half of a crop last year. So if they don't have a disaster this year, which you wouldn't think they would two years in a row, the combination of the two countries, Jesse, is going to end up being a rather large soybean crop available starting in March, you know, late February, March. For the rest of the world so i think that pulled us down to this 13 dollars mark and that's going to make that 14 dollars mark or that 13.98 we hit maybe be the short-term high unless we can really get a weather scare event going which is possible because it does seem like your typical weather market in a drought where rain's coming two weeks from now and then every time you get there they kick it down two more weeks uh, they're getting scattered rains and the crop is fine i think but uh yeah they'd like a good soaker that's for sure well, and on the global numbers, I know USDA cut Brazil's soybean crop slightly on the December yep. report. That was it, though. No changes to corn, no change to Argentine production. So uh, that was really the other number that uh, kind of stood out on the December report. And 
I think it's going to be interesting moving forward here. As you mentioned, that $13 level in beans. Uh, I was worried that when we broke that earlier in the week, that was going to lead us to some more downside pressure. But then we were able to rally back and finishing up the week right around 13 and Jan beans, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That feels like an area to me that we can potentially maybe hold, but I still worry about some downside risk here in soybeans, Dwayne. <laughs> well, I'm right with you. It depends on the day. Yeah, I was with you. Uh, we struggled to stay above 13 for a while. That 1295 support would hold. And then earlier in the day when we were at the highs before the report, it felt like, yep, okay, 13 solid support. That's your buying area. Now that we're back down there, now I'm nervous again. So a typical emotional trade. You're right. Um, USA cut Brazil's soybean crop, 2 million metric ton. And not a big shock there with the, the dryness they've had. To me, the big surprise and disappointment I had today was they did not change Brazil's corn crop size. And USDA has been way higher than like a report like from CONAP, which is Brazil's form of USDA. They're at like 118 and we're at what, 129 USDA. So I thought for sure they were going to come down, I thought maybe five, six million metric tons. So to see no change was, that was disappointing to me and I think a little bit disappointing in the corn market. Yeah, I think so, too. But now, as you mentioned, that January WASDE report, um, it's time to start talking about it already, essentially, because <laughs> that's always a very volatile, very big report. And it feels like between now and that report, uh, these grain markets as a whole probably just going to see a lot of fund type position squaring. It would feel like ahead of the Christmas and New Year holiday, Dwayne. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you're right. And that's a bit depressing, too, because, uh, yeah, that means not much commissions for a commission broker. If this goes sideways, and I've got Christmas gifts to buy, Jesse. This is going to be thin trading for the Bolt family. No, um, you're right. We'll probably get a quiet trade. Uh, we'll start talking about the January number. And the numbers I'm worried about in there is, is maybe actually the production side, the yield. Um no, I know I'm in an area that was blessed with rains this year, but man, everywhere in North Dakota, majority of South Dakota, there's still a little bit of harvest coming in, some cornfields, and elevators are still chocked full. Um, so obviously here it feels like it's a big crop and the production number could increase. There'll be a lot of debate between now and then, but yeah, maybe not a whole lot of trade until about January 2nd, I bet. Well, and I wonder, too, uh, you mentioned that big crop kind of still coming in across the Dakotas and other areas have seen a big crop with elevators chock full. I feel like we saw a considerable amount of farmers selling around December options expiration, Dwayne, and now it's probably going to be the job of basis to try and pry any more corn out of farmer hands, wouldn't you say? I'm I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, that basically made the low in the Deese market, you know, and it it happened even a little bit after option expiration is more farmers were called and told like, hey, you got to do something with this contract. Nobody wants to do anything without permission, of course. So there was a lot of farmer selling. There was a lot of HDAs, a lot of sell contracts off that Deese board. And you're right. Now that that's done, we've crept back up, haven't we? And the market looks very strong, actually. It's not going to rally as fast as us as producers, farmers want to see it go. Um, you know, guys want to see, are we going to get back to 525, 535? And I'm like, well, you need another story than what we have right now. This is going to be a slow grind higher. But you're right. Farmers, I think, have plenty of cash. I think they sold soybeans fairly heavy. 
I think that corn is going to be really hard to pry out. And yet, you know, I talk about the negative basis in my area where the production is big, but anywhere where there wasn't corn piles and they were short of crop, that basis is starting to improve quickly. And it'll be the basis job to move these bushels around. So, no, you're right. We can see better things down the road. Well, we're having a conversation with Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing here today on Market Talk, and we will continue that combo coming up on the way right after the break. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or High Soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and High Soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We are joined today by Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing here on Market Talk. Dwayne, as uh, we get ready to flip that calendar over to 24, I know it's uh, winter meeting season, it's uh, seed selling, seed buying season, inputs, etc., as you look out at uh, new crop 24 contracts here, any mm-hmm. thoughts there? Are, are you getting aggressive on some selling? Not so much. Has anything changed in, on that front since the last time we talked? No, nothing's changed for me. I'm still on a hold pattern. Not that, not that I think the prices are going to end higher than where we're at right now come the end of next year. It's just more a seasonal play for me, Jesse, that you know, now when we look forward and talk about the bearishness for 2024, you know, we could lose 4 million acres of corn and still have an any stock this high and higher. Oh God, well, we better sell everything at 512 today. Well, no, I don't, I'd rather not do that because that's assuming a 180 yield and everything's perfect. And just there's scares that happen, but you're right. It's tis the season for me to start working on that program. And if somebody wants to start selling here, I would not stop them. And at 525, you'll probably see me be fairly aggressive. All right. Let's shift gears over to the protein sector. And I don't have my popcorn ready for cattle, but uh, man, oh, man, uh, we got plenty to, to, to take a look at here. Um, cattle been volatile. We've talked about it uh, here the last couple of weeks on the show. And Friday, we saw a decently higher day across fats and feeders on the futures trade i just wonder was it a dead cat bounce into the weekend Dwayne? what do you think <laughs> I <pause and laughs> see like i said i don't have my popcorn ready for this answer, but um <laughs> i will wait hey, to see what you have to say here. yeah good hard questions like that i if i wasn't on video is where i start doing the you're cutting out sorry no um great question by the way jesse um I don't think that's the low yet. Um, the reason I hesitate is we got down to some upward trend lines on continuous charts. And I think you've heard me talk about that before. It was at the 166 area for December live cattle. Now we bounced right back up to that today and closed right around that upward trend line. Cash at 170, so a 166 board is is okay. $4 difference is about the max. I usually like to see it. So we, you know, if we can rally tomorrow or not tomorrow, I'm sorry, next week, then, you know, I could say, well, maybe that was just one blip below the downward trend or upward trend line. And now we're back above. Here we go. But 
I'm just worried this is just the profit taking end of the week. Let's get back some of our losses. Uh, we're oversold, rally back. And I think the funds still want to sell out of this market. And that's really the whole reason this market has crashed this much, right? I mean, supply and demand isn't bad. Supplies are still tight. Uh, but I, I think the funds just want out. And when they want out of a market, uh, they can do this, especially the cattle market where they control so much position. So let's look for the commitment of traders report this weekend to be key. Uh, keep an eye on that. I'm just a little bit worried they want out all of them. And that means they could drive this thing all the way down to some retracement levels like a 147 or a 135. Um, gosh, I hate even saying that because I know there's people just cursing me out there that got cattle in the lots. But on pops, maybe look to buy some put options, some LRP contracts, something. Because if I'm right, technically, we're just starting to go lower. I was going to say, I was going to ask, and I'm glad you mentioned that there at the end of that answer, just some thoughts uh, for folks to protect their risk here in this volatile environment. I know we got some updated uh, you know, beef, pork, poultry production numbers yep. on the WASD, largely no notes there. So I don't think there was any, any help really from that. Um, export sales this past week, I know that beef number for 23 was 200 metric tons. The 24 number was pretty good. Uh, pork looked to be okay. So, I mean, I think you're right. I think demand's there. It's just, um, it's been a tough go in this cattle market, I, I think, altogether. And so it comes back to just making sure you manage your risk here as best as you can through a volatile window. Yeah, you know, go back and learn through this process, which is what we all have to do to keep moving forward. I think it stresses again that probably the most important report of the week is the commitment to traders report. Yeah. Um, it's hard to read a little bit and it's always a delayed report. And yes, I hate that. You know, it's as of Tuesday's close, but watch where these funds are at. And I'm not saying just do the opposite of them because they have to exit contracts. Just be leery. Um, those, the guy that bought the put options a couple of months back or a couple of weeks back even looking all right right now. And I mean, that's easy to say, but like I said, just look at it this weekend and see just how long the funds still are. And now if you're a fund and you see a chart, do you want to be long cattle? Probably not. Um, so it is scary. That's something to learn. Watch that commitment trades report. And even though, uh, put options are expensive, sometimes they do work. Hog trade on Friday was a bit higher. wonder if that was maybe some sympathy following of cattle possibly into the weekend. Hogs have been, uh, just a, a dismal market kind of as well. I feel not as volatile, but still hasn't been fun to watch hogs here either, Dwayne. <laughs> no, it hasn't. I really was bothered by the middle of this week, Smithfield announced that they were dropping, well, like 26 farms or something up in yep. Utah, which in one way it's like, well, yeah, why are you feeding hogs there anyway? <laughs> but uh, not, nothing against Utah. It's just that, you know, how much soybean meal and feed is around that area. So anyway, let me get to my point. Uh, that's probably a drop in the bucket in the total production wise dropping those farms, but it's what Smithfield said. Uh, there's too much production out there. Nobody's making money and we just want it out of these contracts. And it's like something like that, as you well know, that really snowballs through the livestock and hog industry as far as uh, market news. That's negative. We're still talking about China with their huge herd. Uh, yeah. It, it's just tough. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not saying hogs have to go screaming lower, but boy, uh, that upside is very limited. There's a ceiling that keeps kind of falling down on it, I think. So yeah, we probably keep a trend line going a little bit lower on hogs, sadly. So I'm, I'm full of great news today.
I know. Well, I mean, you know, hey, the news is the news, right, Dwayne? And I'm glad you brought up the news of the Smithfield closures in Utah because I think that the market did notice that. We've seen Smithfield closures and restructuring in Missouri, too, and things of that nature. And then with China, you mentioned their hog herd. Chinese hog prices have been dismal. So, I mean, to your point there, there's it just feels like there's a lot weighing on this hog market and really just – Weighing on the protein sector as a whole, and I'll sh- let that shift us into the economy a little bit here to wrap up today. Um, I know we got some jobs data out Friday. We're looking at the Federal Reserve meeting again this next week ahead. A lot of talk about interest rates, of course. It's end of the year. A lot of farmers and ranchers got to go talk to their banker for uh, their operating loan needs if they have them, et cetera. So, I mean, economy-wise, I know that's still something that we continue to talk about as being kind of the overarching thing here uh, affecting grains and livestock trade away. Yeah, it, it sure is, isn't it? And the jobs number was just fine today. It was nothing surprising. So that's good. I always just get a little bit nervous with those numbers. Um, when you talk the outside markets, uh, one thing I noticed this week is you know crude oil dipping below mm. 70 bucks. And... I love it from my pocketbook because it seems like we're driving around chasing kids everywhere. I, yeah, we're generating the economy ourselves, I think, or yeah. keeping it running. But anyway, yeah, the, the lower gas prices are great. But you ever watch some of these charts, Jesse, and overlap like a crude oil chart with cattle right now uh, and the corn market even? Yes, the corn market's fine and low and going, but crude oil kind of drives the whole commodity complex. Um, and I'm not saying crude oil's made a low and going to rally up from here, even though I, I, we maybe did with the government today talking about buying oil for reserves at these cheaper prices. Um, but there's a lot of production out there, not a ton of demand. We, we need to see that pick up for the rest of the commodities to go up. So I guess trying to wrap everything up here is I, I'm friendly the grains, um, but it's just it's not going to go up like this. We don't have a shortage. We're not going to run out of corn. So we're not going to be six, seven, eight dollar corn. That's not happening. So when you get the rallies, you know, they'll be selling opportunities. But I do really like that USDA added some export demand for corn and wheat. I I think we put in some significant lows, Jesse. Let's say that that sounds a lot better when I talk about I think we put in some lows instead of me talking about how low cattle can go. I was going to say, looking at the glass half full versus half empty there, I think that's a good way to wrap it up here today, Dwayne. <laughs> if uh, if folks want to have a conversation with you as they're looking at their uh, year-end marketing plans and more, I know now's a good time to do that. How could they get a hold of you there at Bolt Marketing? Yeah, they can just call us here direct, 605-448-2365. And they can always check us out online at boltmarketingllc.com. Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing. Always appreciate the time and the knowledge. Thanks for a conversation today, Dwayne. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Jesse. Man, good stuff there as always with Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing joining us here today on the program. Let's look at some of the closing numbers from Friday's session. December corn was down two and a half, 465 and three quarters. March corn, two and a half lower, 485 and a half. Soybeans January seven to three quarters lower thirteen oh four March down seven and a quarter thirteen twenty three January bean meal down two ten a ton four oh four seventy bean oil January down ninety three points at fifty twenty Chicago wheat December eleven lower six fifteen March was down ten and a half six thirty one and three quarters 
Kansas City wheat, December down six and a half, six fifty-five and three quarters, with March down six and a half at six sixty-one. And spring wheat, we saw March down seven to three quarters, seven twenty-nine and a half. July spring wheat down nine, seven forty-five and three quarters. In the livestock arena, we saw December hogs up eighty-seven, sixty-eight forty-two. Feb hogs up 120, 68.97. January feeders up 502 on Friday, 215.30. March feeders up 490, 216.07. December live cattle up 310, 165.45. February up 320, 165.72. April live cattle up 335, 169.30. And over in the cotton market as well, March cotton down 115 points, 81.44. All right, coming up, we're going to take a look at some ag news headlines before we wrap up today's program. We'll be back with more here on Market Talk right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Thanks for sticking with us here on the program today. Appreciate Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing joining us with uh, market analysis and some recap of the December WASDI report. Largely, again, uh, pretty quiet, non-event type report out on Friday, which is what we expected. And we are going to, of course, uh, continue to watch South American weather and just the general fund money, money flow and positioning here ahead of the end of the year. Those will be some of the big things to keep an eye on here in the market trade. Let's look at news before we wrap it up. House Ag Chair Glenn G.T. Thompson says he won't drop his farm bill funding strategy at the heart of disagreements with Democrats on how to make the next five-year law work. There was no mistaking Ag Chair Thompson's point. Writing the next farm bill will take significant investment by repurposing Inflation Reduction Act funds and reforming SNAP. These ideas have been applauded and demonized, but I will not relent and I will not fail our rural communities, many of whom have suffered insurmountable loss due to variables beyond their control. Thompson called for a strategic versus transformational approach to a new farm bill to replace the expired bill Congress extended through next September. These funding opportunities would not only fine-tune the, the farm safety net, uh, but increase the farm bill's baseline through the reinvestment in bipartisan priorities across other titles, including conservation, research, and nutrition. But Ag Democrats, led by North Carolina's Don Davis, sitting in for David Scott, were also dug in, refusing to shift funds from party priorities like SNAP or the President's Inflation Reduction Act. We also must build on the success of the conservation programs funded by the Inflation Reduction Act, empowering farmers to adopt practices that are good for the environment and their bottom lines. The Farm Bill must fight food insecurity by ensuring every household in America, our children, our grandparents, our disabled and veterans have access to food. The same argument Senate Democrats made in unsuccessful farm bill talks this year with Senate Ag Republicans. It's a chasm that will remain hard to close in a presidential election year without an unexpected injection of new funds already at issue in unending appropriations fights that will also spill into the new year. 
Well, a new report from the EPA's Hypoxia Task Force shows that the hard work of farmers and ranchers to reduce nutrient losses in the Mississippi River watershed is paying off. The report reveals the 12 participating states have met interim nitrogen reduction goals two years ahead of schedule and are also making considerable progress in bringing down phosphorus losses. The goals are part of a comprehensive strategy established by state and federal agencies across the Mississippi River watershed region. Farmers and ranchers were tasked with helping to reduce nutrient losses by 20% by the year 2025. Now, American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duvall says, quote, Farmers are problem solvers by nature, and the work being done in the Mississippi River watershed is proof of what happens when we come together. I commend the farmers in each of the states for their instrumental role in making these strides and encourage continued work to meet the 2035 goals, end quote. Well, the National Corn Growers Association joined 57 other organizations in urging the International Trade Commission to consider the impacts that tariffs on Moroccan fertilizer are having on farms. The concerns were expressed in a letter that comes after the ITC was ordered by the U.S. Court of International Trade to reconsider its determination of material injury in a decision issued earlier in September. The letter says, quote, rising prices for fertilizer inputs have strained America's farmers and ranchers and have impacted availability for this critical component of nutrient and yield management without predictable options to source this product. Farmers struggle to plan for the future, end quote. Now, the groups noted that issues surrounding the international supply chain further complicate farmers' ability to source phosphate. It also says the ITC originally made some inferences on the ability to reship products that are not grounded in reality. Efforts to reduce the duties will continue for months. Well, the South Dakota Brand Board and the Bennett County Sheriff's Office are investigating the theft of over 250 head of cattle in the Martin, South Dakota area. Information from the Brand Board says the 108 cows and 150 calves are Black Angus or Red Angus and are missing from a location 16 miles west of Martin. The cows are two to four years old. A social media post by the Bennett County Sheriff's Office says the herd owners, Schultes Ranch LLC, are offering a $10,000 reward for information that leads to the recovery of these animals. Additionally, the South Dakota Brand Board may pay up to $5,000 to any person who provides information leading to the conviction of any person for the crime of stealing livestock, which are branded with a registered brand with the board. Now, Brand Board Director Debbie Trapp says it's not uncommon for November to be a busy month for reports of cattle being missing. That's when the majority of the people are gathering their livestock. And so as soon as we do get a report in the office, we send it out to the Sheriff's Association and to the brand inspectors. And so if the public can assist law enforcement anyway, if they notice anything that seems unusual as far as vehicles or trailers or something in the area, is to contact a local law enforcement immediately and that is a big help in tracking down where these livestock may have been taken. Most of the cows and calves have a lazy reverse E sitting Y brand on their right hip. There is a few with an L7 stacked 77 side-by-side brand on their left hip. Anyone with information should contact the Bennett County Sheriff's Office at 605-685-6516 or 605-842-1014. 
And also, before we wrap it up here today on Market Talk, America Crystal Sugar is calling this year's sugar beet crop the best in company history. The company's CEO announced on Thursday that beets processed at plants in northwest Minnesota and eastern North Dakota set a record for yield, averaging nearly 32 tons an acre. A warm fall led to a longer growing season with just enough moisture to produce healthy plants. Farmers are expected to receive a payment of nearly $85 a ton, also a record for the company. Well, we are out of time here on Market Talk today. Thanks again to Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing, as well as uh, comments with Arlen Suderman of Stonex early in the program as we recapped a fairly quiet December WASDE report. Coming up on the next Market Talk, we will have a conversation on the markets with John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing, and we'll look at weather with Eric Snodgrass from Nutrient. Have a great rest of your day. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to Market Talk. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out-yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or High Soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and High Soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube.